in our series, the, the final little uh, sermon in this series about the life of our soul, I, I really was captivated by this idea that uh, some people, because of, the, because of the last year, year and a half, have been, uh, it's been a little bruising to our souls. And uh, you know, it's, it's easy to get lost. It's easy to continue that bruising and just not white knuckle your way through. Well, I'm gonna double down. I'm just gonna be faithful. I'm gonna grit and go. And I just felt like the Lord said, there are some things that he wants to share about the life of our soul. God doesn't want us to survive. He wants us to thrive, have prosperous souls. Uh, as John wrote, I, I pray that you be in good health and that your soul is prospering. I want you to be prosperous of soul in the middle of whatever circumstances come. I don't know if you ever heard the expression, you can't see the wood for the trees. It was first uh, Thomas uh, Moore, who was, he was killed by Henry VIII, for those of you who like history. Uh, Thomas Moore first used the expression, and it's sort of stuck around, it's like mid-1500s, and it's stuck around in the English language. You can't see the wood for the trees. And basically what it means is when you get too close, too fixated, too anxious, about the details, you lose perspective. And the best thing you can do is when you're feeling like that is to step back and, because uh, very few people can keep track of the big picture in the, in the minute details. That's, that's, a, that's a gift very few people have. So the best thing most of us can do when you get all anxious and there's too many details, just step back a little and look at it from a 50,000 foot view because things emerge from 50,000 feet that, that you can't see. If you're in, stuck in the middle of a hurricane and you're at ground level, that's an unpleasant experience. But when you get up to the satellite photo and you see the sun on top of it, it looks very pretty geometric circle. Do you understand? Perspective makes a massive difference. And so sometimes we just need to step back and have a good look and say, Lord, could you give me your view of what's going on? I need a 50,000 foot view. And when we step back and take that kind of bigger slice, we devise a better strategy on how to perform. And so there are a number of places like this in scripture where, where you get a glimpse of God's view and it's a 50,000 foot view, he's just looking down and going, that's what it is. And it feels like a reduction in a way because you go, but no, if you zoom in, there's this swirling winds and there's danger and this is not a happy time, Lord, and how can you be so calm? And so I, 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 let me just throw out a few of these because there's one that I particularly wanna deal with today and I wanted to take you through this little sojourn so that you understand it in scripture when Jesus speaks about it. In Psalm 14, Psalm 53, there's this Psalm that David wrote and he said, he said basically if, if you, a fool says in his heart there is no God. That's a foolish way to think whether God doesn't exist. But he said God looks down, verse two, he says God looks down from heaven on all mankind to see if there are any who understand, any who seek him. So God looks down and he says, who's seeking me? Because Hebrews eleven six 6, it says, without faith it's impossible to please God because anybody who comes to God must fundamentally believe two things. There is a God, God exists. And number two, God who exists is a rewarder of those who seek him diligently. Now if you believe those two things, if you understand those two truths, those are foundational truths, there is a God and this God rewards those who diligently seek Him. Now if you believe that, what happens? You start diligently seeking Him. And so the Bible says God looks down from heaven and He sees if there are any who understand, any who seek Him. It's, 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 it's very easily apparent from heaven's perspective who's seeking and who's not. It sort of mocks them. It's, it's easy to see. These people get it. Why? Because their lives are marked 
with the seeking of God because they believe. And the people who don't believe either that there is a God, if you don't believe a God, that there, a God exists, then it's, it would be foolishness for you to seek him because you simply don't believe he exists. But if you do believe God exists and you don't believe he's a rewarder, if you believe he's a, he's a punisher, if you believe he's a, he's a judge who runs after you to point out your faults, then you don't seek him. But if you believe God exists and you believe that he's the God who rewards diligent seeking, then you seek. Who believes that is a parent. Now, people who believe God's promises enter into a realm of peace. It's like this, if there's a deep peace that settles on, it's unmistakable, they calm, they, they step out, sometimes they step walk on water, sometimes they go to war, uh, they invest everything. Uh, their confidence doesn't come from their natural optimism or their upbringing, their confidence comes from the fact that they believed. Now, uh, in a similar way, when you look at people, you can see whether they are shepherded or not shepherded, whether they're under the shepherding of Jesus, whether they're listening to his voice, taking his lead, aware of his presence, those kind of people are marked in a certain way. And we can, we can understand this because this is my first premise, people need a shepherd. People need a shepherd. So, so let me, let me kind of show you what I'm talking about here. Matthew 9, 36, it's also in Mark 6, there's various scriptures that talk about this, but Jesus is going along and he's ministering to the crowds and he's on the boat, he's coming to the shore, he sees a massive crowd and the Bible says it wasn't just that moment, but he went around through all the towns ministering to the people and there were always crowds and this was always his perception. It says when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Harassed and helpless. And Jesus looked on the crowd and he saw they were harassed and helpless. He goes, those are shepherdless sheep. Right there. They have no shepherd. How can you tell, Jesus? You're looking at a whole crowd. How can you make such a sweeping generalization? He goes, no, I know, because I'm at a 50,000 foot view looking at this crowd and they're harassed and helpless. They have no shepherd. Because if you have a shepherd, you're not harassed or helpless. Do you understand? So one of the great doctrines of the church is that Jesus is our shepherd. Hebrews 10 talks about Jesus, the, the, the great shepherd of the sheep. Psalm 79 and all over, Isaiah, Ezekiel, everywhere. There's this, there's this idea from God's people that we're the sheep of his pasture. He's the great shepherd, we're his sheep. So we talk Psalm 79, we're the sheep of your pasture. Psalm 95, we're the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. Psalm 100 verse three, uh, know that it is God, he made us, we are his, we are his people, the sheep of his pasture. So this idea that God's people are his sheep and he is a shepherd, that is a constant theme throughout scripture. Jesus arrives on the scene and tells his disciples, I am the good shepherd. And this is how I look after you. So one of the things we have to understand is that when people are demonstrating certain characteristics, it's a proof from a 50,000 foot view that they're not shepherded. But the shepherded sheep have a different vibe about them. Let's go back to 1 Kings, because Jesus was quoting from a scripture that the Jews of his day would have understood. And he's quoting the scripture from 1 Kings 22:17. Then Micah answered, I saw all of Israel scattered on the hills like sheep without a shepherd. 
This idea that you can rebel against God and you tend to look, therefore, scattered like sheep without a shepherd. Because a true shepherd goes after the straying sheep that keep the flock together. They lead them to safe pastures. They watch over their lives. They are gentle with those who have young. They fend off predators. They bind up the wounded. They release the trap. They ensure that they can drink from still waters and they speak constantly to their sheep. But shepherdless sheep are harassed and helpless, according to Mark. And according to Kings, they're scattered. So harassed, helpless, and scattered. If you can put those adjectives on a group of people, you can also infer that this is a group of people who are not under the submission of the lordship of the shepherd. Is that valid? Sheep that are shepherded have peace, they are protected, they're unified, they have souls that are restored, refreshed, replenished. So if we're talking about the life of your soul, the life of your soul, the life of my soul, the life of our souls are at stake, there is something of an implication that you and I have a responsibility to turn our ear, to turn our gaze, and to turn our feet towards the great shepherd. That if I turn towards him, if I respond to his voice, tremendous life and blessing comes into me. If I run my own path, if I turn away from his voice and shut my ears to what he's saying, that is where I get scattered and hurt and harmed. So we come to Psalm 23, which is one of our favorites, most probably most well-known Psalm in, on, the, on the planet. Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides, he protects, he gives rest, he gives peace, he leads us, he cares for us, he protects us, he comforts us. And the life of our souls is impacted by our relationship with the shepherd. David said, he restores my soul. And if there was anyone who needed restoration of soul, it was David more than anybody else. He was rejected by his family. He had a great victory with Goliath. He was brought on. He was, there was jealousy among the generals. There was jealousy from Saul. He was, they tried to kill him. They tried to hand him over. They tried to betray him. He was hounded as a criminal through no fault of his own. He was chased from every city that he knew and loved. His family were hounded on his behalf. His wife was taken away from him. His livelihood was stolen many times. He, his, his whole family was taken away hostage as Tom preached so well last week. He came into the kingdom, uh, but, but only a few tribes wanted him to be king. Ten tribes rejected him, but only two said yes, and eventually they came around, and the other ten, and then they said, yes, we'll take him as king, even though God had promised it to him. His, uh, his family, his, one of his sons raped one of his daughters. It wasn't like David had no idea what uh, a soul that needed restoration was about. That's the point I'm making. David said, in the middle of all of this, in the middle of my life where everybody wants to kill me, where nobody stands with me, where, where life has been sad and tough, the Lord is my shepherd and I lack nothing. 
because he makes me lie down in green pastures. He restores my soul. So I want to talk about returning to the shepherd and overseers of our soul. Return to the shepherd and overseer of your soul. Isaiah 53. This great passage about Jesus, and it brings in this analogy of the sheep and the shepherd. It says, he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. And the punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds, we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid upon him the iniquity of us all. Our shepherd paid for all our going astray, all our weaknesses, our sins, our shameful moments he bore in his body on the tree, and he paid the price for all of that. And now that he's taken care of all of that and has become the chief shepherd, the good shepherd, who is the overseer of our souls, the Bible says you, you should return to the, the, the shepherd and overseer of your souls. And the, the life of my soul is best magnified under the watchful eye of that shepherd. This means that in the middle of everything that's going on, the wisest course of action for me and for you, might I suggest, is that you look up from the circumstances and see where the shepherd is. What is he saying? What is he doing? Is he pointing in any direction? The most wise thing you could possibly do right now in your life is hit a pause button, look up, and be attentive to where the shepherd is. What is he calling you to do? What does he want you to say? Because there's this, there's this need for us to go, uh, I, my soul is harassed and I'm feeling helpless and I'm feeling disunified. And I'm just saying from a 50,000 foot view, that screams one thing to me. You have a problem. Let me, let me diagnose it for you. Get closer to the shepherd. But you don't know, I, 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 need, I need you to know this. I think before I know that, let me just pop my head up and say, where's the shepherd? And go find, I'm gonna walk closer to him. You gotta come this way and hear this. Now come with me, let's walk closer to the shepherd. Come with me. I'll walk, I'll, you can talk on the way, I promise I'll give you ear, but I'm, my eyes are on him. I'm going towards the shepherd, where is he? 1 Peter 2 picks up this idea from Isaiah 53, right? So I'm just, I'm just Taking little bits and pieces just to give you a sense of where this is. When they hurled insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds, we have been healed. For you were like sheep going astray, but now, you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Peter says, this is a phenomenal thing you've done. You've turned to Jesus. You've put your faith in him. You've come under the shepherding mantle of Jesus. But I would like to suggest to you that because shepherded people are easily spotted, that you do a little bit of a litmus test in your own heart and say, do I show the... the the, the marks of somebody who is being shepherded. Because David said, the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. 
So we follow his lead, we walk closely, uh, deliberately where he's going, we don't wander off, we don't follow on our own way, we don't listen to other voices. We come to him, we listen to him, we respond to what he says. The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing, David said. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters and he refreshes my souls. So I wanna talk about just, just um, what I think is gonna be made manifest in people who make this choice, who say, Jesus, you can be my shepherd. And I deliberately wanna walk closer to you. I want to respond to your voice. I wanna be a sheep that wanders with you. You ever thought about this reality that a sheep is probably one of the most defenseless animals on the planet if it's left alone out in the wilderness? It has no real teeth that it can fight with. It has no horns that it can, it has, you know, it's not really a threatening animal. It's just food for predators. It's not, it's like when Jesus was trying to say, I said, I send you out like sheep among wolves. I mean, he, he was, you know, there was, a sheep is not something that you wanna leave alone. People go, oh, I, I don't, I'm, I'm gonna live my life on my own. No, if you're a sheep out in the wilderness, you're gonna be, that's not, it's ugly. But if you are somebody, if you are a sheep who goes, yes, Lord, I wanna be shepherded. I wanna receive your lordship. I wanna receive your leadership. You lead me, Lord. Where do you want us to go? The following things are gonna be hallmarks, in my opinion, on your life. Number one, we're gonna rest in abundance. Because David said, he makes me lie down in green pastures. But David, in the place where David lived and ran around for 17 years, he ran around in the most arid parts of the desert. David never for 17 years saw a green pasture, I guarantee you. He didn't live, if you go to that part of Israel, there are no, you know, sometimes we get this picture of the, the rolling hills of England, the, the, you know, where it rains most of the time and the, the hills are full of grass. And we go, oh, he makes me lie down in green pastures. But David didn't grow up there. He, he never had a postcard from, from England. You know, David grew up in the desert. And so when, he, when you talk about green pastures, this is it. David's got an, uh, uh, something in his heart and in his head that may not have been around him. David's talking about, he makes me lie down in green pastures. And those who constantly turn their heart to, and to their ears to the shepherd tend to live and rest in abundance. There is a mentality of abundance, richness, fatness, overflow, peace. That's what comes when you spend time with the shepherd. When you're not spending time with the shepherd, what tends to happen is my, I just see what I'm lacking, what I don't have. The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. And you go, David, can I read your life story to you? You lack a lot, buddy. It's a certain understanding. When you, when you submit yourself, when you spend time with the shepherd, you come away, you rest in abundance. It's people who are under the influence of a lie that tend towards hopelessness. They tend towards a view of lack. Uh, there's nothing that I could, could do that ever would make a difference. I, I'm stuck in this place and I have no hope. Those people are not shepherded people because shepherded people don't do that. Shepherded people take rest in abundance. Am I preaching to anyone yet? Shepherded people are continually aware of the abundance of God. <laughs> it's 
what they talk about. It's what they see. It's where they find rest. But Greg, you don't know my circumstances. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I'll talk to you about your circumstances. Just come with me for a little while. Let's go just hear the voice of the shepherd. Just come look at the shepherd with me. Come listen to his voice a bit. When we've done that for a while, we can go back and look at your circumstances. Right now, there are about 10,000 things the Lord could do to help you. Your future is so filled with brightness and hope and light that it cannot be taken from you. There is surely a future hope for you and it cannot be removed from your life. The only way that that's not true is if you haven't heard the voice of the shepherd for long enough and you've been listening to other voices. But Jesus said, my sheep listen to my voice. I don't listen to anyone else. If I listen to another voice, I start to get hopeless and barren and start to think in those terms. But when the Lord is my shepherd and when I'm spending time with him, I lie down. I, he makes me lie down in verdant greenery. So let me say, your awareness of your lack is proportionate to your distance from the shepherd. Your awareness of your lack is proportional to your distance from the shepherd. Because when the Lord is your shepherd, you lack nothing. Nothing. Number two. We're led into peace. He makes me lie down in abundance and he leads me into peace. As David said, he leads me beside quiet waters. Quiet waters are extremely important to sheep because the way the sheep's nostrils are formed, a sheep's nostrils are on the top of its head. So when a sheep bows down to drink, if it's facing upstream and there's a strong flowing river, the sheep drowns while it's drinking. So a good shepherd knows that you, you take a sheep and you create a little side thing on the flow of the stream. You, you dig a trench and you, let, you create still waters that the sheep can come and drink at so they don't drown. Well, I can handle it. I can take it. No, no. He, he, he's going he's gonna to lead you into places of peace. But I can handle the pressure. Yeah, yeah. Come with the shepherd and he'll lead you into peace. He'll give you quiet waters. Not dead waters. Not still waters that, 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 that is septic. No, it's still got life in it, but it's gentler. The shepherd leads his people to gentle places where they can be restored. And many, many people right now are shouting, Ah, let's dive into the stream. And I'm going, hey, nope. Because now is the moment for us to drink in quiet waters. Because if you're going to follow the shepherd, he's going to lead you to peace, to quiet waters. The more I'm with Jesus, the more rest I have in him. The more I'm with the world, the less peace I have. I think that's probably true for every single person in this room. And Proverbs 3 says, if you, if, you, if you chase after wisdom, it says, her, her ways are pleasant ways and all her paths are peace. And if you're gonna do the wise thing, the wise thing right now is to draw near to the Lord, to deliberately seek him out, 
to make your way towards him, not away from him, to move your life and to change your circumstances so that you become more aware of his voice and more open to what he wants to do and that you, that you commit a little bit more of your personal time to just being with him. Just get in the presence of the shepherd. Just open up your heart to what he wants to do. This is an important thing because the life of your soul is dependent on this that you and I accomplish. So when you set your sights on Jesus, when you follow where he leads, he will lead you into peace for places where you can drink still and beautiful waters. Safe and peaceful places is what he has in mind so that he can restore your soul. Thirdly, what the scripture says is that he will refresh your soul, that he, we have prosperous souls. Talk about a 50,000 foot view. Bible says the world, there's coming a time when the world's gonna look at the church and be astounded. They think it is strange that you don't plunge with them into the same flood of dissipation and they heap abuse on you because they don't understand you. You're not scared by what they're scared of. You're not moved by what moves them. You're not, you're not da- dancing to the tune that they're playing and, and they, they, they don't understand you. They, they ha- there's gonna come a moment where the church, and we're not, and we're not even trying to be ugly, we're just, we're just loving Jesus and walking in peace and blessing and everybody else is screaming, ah, scattered, harassed, helpless. And the church is full of peace and security. How do you think we're supposed to go out and be the salt and the light? If there's no discernible difference between me and somebody who's not shepherded, There should be. I should be at peace. I should have a prosperous soul. I'm not stressed. I'm not taking drugs. I'm not drinking. I'm not cursing. I'm not coming unglued. I have a prosperous soul. In the middle of tough times. He restores. He refreshes, he prospers, depends which version of the Bible you, he prospers my soul. And I've said it many, many times, there's something of a peace and security that rests on somebody who knows they loved. You can see it, 50,000 foot view. As spouses, you can see it on, you can see it on children who know they loved. There's something about people who get them. And there's something about people who have accepted and embraced and hunted down the, the role of the shepherd in their life. And they understand he laid his life down for me because he loved me and I wholly trust him and I'm gonna do whatever he says and I wanna go where he wants me to go. So I rest and I soak and I live in that reality and in that environment of awareness that when I do, he refreshes my soul. I guarantee you, there are people in this room, pretty much all of you, who've gone into the presence of the Lord, harassed and helpless and scattered, and come out from the presence of the Lord at peace and clear and full of joy. Because righteousness, peace, and joy are your inheritance in the kingdom, and you're supposed to walk in them 
And God, who loves to make a table for you in the presence of your enemies, will prosper your soul no matter what the circumstances around you are happening. It does not matter. God does not need there to be perfection around you in order to supply and bless you and give you a grand banquet. God loves setting banquet tables for his people in the presence of their enemies, right under the enemy's nose, so he has to watch God's blessing on your life. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up because I just want to close this message. It's a very brief message. We're going we're to trust God for those three things. Uh, I'm going to trust God that he's going to give you this opportunity that you can rest in his abundance and that you can be led into a peaceful place and that you can have your soul prospered. But Before I pray that prayer for all of us, because I know there's people here. I... The Lord spoke to me about two people. Do you mind if I, I, just, I just really felt like I needed to call some people out by name? And uh, the Lord spoke to me about a person called Sean. And um, you'll understand what this word means. The Lord says, you're not in too deep. But it is time to shed some things and to step up into the new life Jesus has for you. It is the time for decision, Sean. And then there was a lady called Siobhan. Siobhan. And I saw the Lord take a, a, a watch off your hand. And he said, I'm gonna set you free today from looking back. Because there was something that happened to you and that you keep looking back on that moment and it's got you captured. And today is your emancipation day. Jesus came to set you free. May 26th is an important date for you. And I've just felt like the Lord said he wanted to minister to that. There are many other people here the Lord wants to minister to but right now, I want to speak to those people who, who've never yet known Jesus as the shepherd. You've never given your life to him. You've, you've never uh, believed. And perhaps as you sat through this message, you go, the, the honest truth is, Greg, my soul is harassed and helpless. I do feel hopeless. And if you know your soul needs care and tending, and maybe you need some guidance about your life, then I'm gonna invite you to pray a prayer with me. And this prayer is to say, Lord Jesus, I, I believe in you. And for the first time in my life, I'm, I'm coming, I'm coming running and I'm saying, Lord, please forgive me and I want you to be my shepherd. Everybody in this room has experienced that at some stage where we've come and said, Jesus, thank you. And he's changed us. So if you wanna pray that prayer, if you want today to be the day that you, you leave that old life behind, then pray this prayer right now with me. Lord Jesus, I come to you and I'm asking, forgive me. I've run my own road, Lord, I've gone my own way and it hasn't worked out and my soul is tired and tattered. So I'm asking, Lord, please forgive me. Wash me clean. Because I've heard today, Lord, that you went and paid for all my wandering and all my sin and all my shame. You paid the price for me. So I just say, Lord Jesus, please come and accept me because I, 
believe in you. And I'm asking you to forgive me and watch over me and make my life different. In Jesus' name. Now, if you prayed that prayer and you meant it, a couple of things are happening. All of heaven is rejoicing. And Jesus said, anybody who comes to me, I'll never, never cast out. There's an absolute yes. Absolute yes every time in answer to that prayer. We'd like to talk to you a little bit. And so Tom, right here on the front row, is going to be out in the, in the hallway and you can... We've got to pack some Bible and some stuff that's really going to help you. And we'd love to help you walk on this journey because there's some profound things that are going to change in your life. But I want to pray for a lot of people in this place who recognize an aspect of their own life while I was preaching today. And perhaps you're not resting in that awareness of abundance. Perhaps you've not been led into rest. Perhaps you need your soul restored. But I'm here to tell you that if you'll open up your heart to the Lord, I think the Holy Spirit has an agenda. There is business that Jesus wants to do in this place today with you. The greatest tragedy of this morning would be that this was just a cute message and you leave the same as you came in. If that's you, 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 this this is our moment right now, the next five minutes. This is the most important issue of this meeting. Because you and I are going to turn our hearts to the Lord. I'm going to ask the worship team, they're going to lead us. They're going to lead us in worship. We're going to turn our heart to the Lord. And as we do, I'm going to invite you to just open up your heart and say, Lord, could you give me an awareness of abundance? Could you break this poverty mindset, this poverty thing, this hopelessness that, that is seeking to settle on my life? Break it off me. I want to be free of that nonsense. And maybe some of you need to break anxiety and fear off your life and be, and be living in rest and peace. And there are some people here that desperately need the Lord to refresh your soul and give you prosperity of soul. So I'm gonna invite you to just tune out everything else. Just focus your eyes on the Lord. Come into his presence as we invite the, the great shepherd as the scripture says, Jesus called himself the good shepherd or the great shepherd and ask him to minister to you. So let's worship together.
Father, I pray for every person in this place who's not aware of abundance. Father, I pray now for an outpouring of this understanding of your abundance. Excessive grace. Super abounding grace, Lord, is the way your word puts it. The incomparably great power for us who believe, Lord, is what your word says. The oceans of love, the faithfulness that is greater than the skies, the abounding goodness, the kindness of God that will astound us for eternity. Father, I break lack of your people. I break that mindset. I say no in Jesus' name. That is not the truth. I break it off. But I release, Lord, right now, an understanding of your favor and your prosperity, the richness of soul that comes, Lord, when we, when we follow the shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing, nothing. And Father, I break hopelessness. And I break fear off your people. No, you may not hold the people of God. We break it off. But we release, Lord, joy and peace and righteousness, which is our portion in the Spirit. <sighs> Lord, I pray for a move of your Spirit. And you would bring healing to souls, Lord, that have been wounded. You bring restoration, Lord, to the downcast. You bring hope, Lord, to the hopeless. And joy to the mourners. Because that's what you do, Lord. You give beauty for ashes. So I'm praying, Lord, for beauty for ashes. I'm praying, Lord, your smile and your favor on your people. I'm asking, Lord, this week for breakthroughs. This week, Lord, breakthrough. Prosperity of soul. And Lord Jesus, we turn our hearts and our eyes and our ears to you. Lead on, Lord. Because you are good and great as a shepherd. And we submit our souls to you. In Jesus' name. Why don't you take your seats, please?